Raya. I lie face down on the pillow, my arms too tired to even push myself up, despite the fact I can barely breathe. Maybe I'll die like this. The worst kind of naked, thanks to being the worst kind of sweaty, my poor, destroyed nipples leaking onto the sheets. I roll over and onto my feet, pull on an oversized t-shirt. Something about it doesn't smell great. I mean, I feel sorry for my clothes. They used to spend their nights crusted in happy dance sweat, cheap beer, and expensive vodka, and now it's all sour breast milk and baby puke. Hot. I pad down the hall, note the light under Hera's door. I take big, slow steps. You know, just in case she hears what I'm hearing, because she must, and, you know, wants to join me. I reach the top of the stairs. Damn it, Hera. I plunk down each step. She's not even sleeping anyway, so what? Wait. <laughs> Does that mean someone is keeping her up? Fucking finally, it was starting to feel like a convent in here. I wish I was happier for her than I was sorry for myself. The closer I get, the louder the sound. I veer into the kitchen, pause, the sight of an open bottle of bourbon. Damn, Hera, okay. What the fuck is... Whoa, whoa, sorry. Eris is just a few feet behind me. Audio receiver in one hand. Glass, of course, in the other. It, um, woke me up. Eros says, what did? He glances at the monitor, totally missing the joke. Are you going? Yeah. I say, sliding into my sneakers, crushing the back down and forcing them to be clogs. I don't bother to bend over and fix them because even the idea of that makes me so tired I want to cry. Or are you going like that? He says, gesturing to the fact that I'm still only wearing the big t-shirt. You know, Eros, I'm not really in the mood for a lecture on how to behave from a guy who keeps showing up on my doorstep tipsy and sad. Hey, hey, I love it. I'm gonna wear it to the party on Friday. Fuck, the party is Friday? Our birthday? And for the record, I'm going for tipsy and pensive. I look at him. The rules I said a year ago are still in place. My relationship with Air is like, um, it's a neat friendship. I never seek him out or confide in him or get within two feet of him, but he's retaken up drinking, which is better than using anything harder, but still, the memory of what happened when he got too far in his own head. Plus, if he goes home alone, he'll just be stuck with all of his Apollo memories, including the last one, so now his drool stains my throw pillows on a near nightly basis. But only until he gets a new chaperone. I turn towards the sink, open the cabinet beneath. Where it used to be dark is now light. The tunnel has become the official way to transport me and Persephone at all hours of the night to where the offs are. 
I'm just saying, you should put on pants. Eros, you know half the remaining population has seen my vagina, right? And not even on one of its good days. At this, he relents, raises his hands in surrender. Can I come? No. He turns to go back to the living room, but stops when he hears what I hear. He turns to me, and we stand there, facing each other while we listen to the unmistakable, rhythmic sound of fucking that is not our own. Is that Hera? I shrug. Oh, Rhea, I don't want to stay and listen to that. The monitor sparks to life again, wailing. Fine, if you prefer that. I say, slipping down the chute only to step on a staircase. I miss the old drop that accompanied the beginning of all of my adventures. Hey, remember when we came down here and I sprained my ankle in the fall? It wasn't a bad sprain, I say, remembering how that night we still managed to dance in the dark to Bowie. Don't think I've been down here since the makeover. Yeah, it's oh so safe because, God forbid, I trip and die and they have to milk my corpse. Hey, don't talk like that, he says, reaching for my hand. I take it back. You don't talk like that. He's been like this for the past year, all through the pregnancy and all the sleepless nights since. He wants to help, or he wants me to know he wants to help, but... He's settled for melding into the living room furniture. I can't figure out what his angle is. Prove he isn't the kind of guy who kills people every time he's upset. He walks in front of me, hips swaying carelessly in the light. Nothing's happened since that morning on the train. Not with him, and not with Clark. I just... <sighs> I can't even imagine having the energy for sex or drama or even, like, emotional intimacy. Every part of me is tired and feels bored with exhaustion. Even though I haven't had to do anything since he came three months ago. No workouts, no live events, no copying, thank God. Just photo shoots and interviews where Hera writes my answers. The, um, the exit, or birth, or whatever, uh, was hard on my body. For a group of scientists, everyone is weirdly science-phobic. Natural birth, they said. Just like the MIUCs are so natural. I mean, they had to do a C-section on purse, so I guess I'm lucky. I mean, she hated that. She wanted to hold her right away. Soon as it happened, Persephone was in, man. She didn't change so much as pivot. She took all of her focus and ploys and just directed them at off stuff. I'm happy for her. I am. Between her and Hera, there's so much maternal energy to make up for whatever I so clearly seem to be lacking. We come now to the door, and that leads right up into the nest. Not sure what bird freak is naming our facilities, but... Between this and the yoke, somebody has a goddamn agenda. Two guards stand at the door. I wave. They let Eros and then me pass, exchanging a little glance between them. And you see this? This is why I don't like palling around with him after dark. 
I get enough eyebrow raising solo. Walking up the stairs, we see more and more guards as we come closer to the door of the room itself. The walls are cake batter yellow, forced soothing and sweet like chloroform. The room is also doused in some kind of, like, soft smell, like cotton. Mozart plays very, very softly. They want the offs to be chill and smart. I just hope they're not smart enough to learn how fucked up all this is. We enter the nest. Everything inside is cool blues, pillows and throws on couches no one ever gets to sit on. The two actual cribs are separated by soundproof glass walls. Guess Rebecca is hoping that you can't expect privacy if you've never had it. The room where P is, Persephone II, is dark. She must be asleep. His cubicle is a different story. An overwhelmed night nurse is holding him, eyes pressed in fury, tiny toothless mouth open, screaming on the other side of the glass. I mean, if I didn't have to go in there and deal with him, this would actually be really funny. But, alas. I pause, press my hand to the door like I'm gonna enter, and the nurse spots me, but she doesn't look too relieved. Like what? Like I'm gonna make things worse? Like I'm gonna be just another thing they have to take care of? Fucking useless. Me. Even when I succeeded, I failed. Where's the live stream? Arrow says, Wait, have you never been in here? Someone hasn't invited me. Char's been here a handful of times for photo shoots. He balances the kid on one hand, pretends he's a weight, and he bench presses the three-month-old. Char has a very limited imagination, but it doesn't matter. Rebecca thought it was easier to go along with what I shouted that day than to contradict me. It's in our best interest to have the public trust all of us, she said. So now Char has to play dad and chaperone. Eros, you never thought it was convenient that they were always sleeping or just lying there kicking? What book did you think I was reading them? Goodnight Moon or Ulysses? He stares at me blankly. It's the same few videos on repeat. Damn, I feel stupid for being surprised. Let me try something. Eros greets the nurse with a smile, takes the tiny pink person from her hands, presses him to his chest, rocks him. He quiets, snuggles up to Eros's warm, soft, vodka-scented t-shirt. In the bright light, I get a really good look at the two of them. Eros's hair is matted and sticking out at crazy angles. I mean, there's more dry jewel on his face than the kids. He smiles as the tiny eyelids flutter and close. A small victory for both of us, I guess. Eros is happy, like really happy in a way that makes everything a little sadder that Adam isn't his.
Eros. How do you see me? After all this time. I think, staring down at Adam, but feeling Rhea's eyes on me. I left him closer to me. Breathe in. I know we were all kind of focused on the species dying out, but we didn't spend nearly enough time worrying about the extinction of new fucking baby smell. The nurse nervously clears her throat. Couldn't help it. I say sheepishly, grinning. She shakes her head, disarmed, steps outside to talk to Rhea, who still watches me through the glass. I might even dropping at him, but Rhea doesn't react. Damn. This isn't going to be easy, I say out loud. But Adam isn't listening. He's now staring up at me, anxiously. Suspiciously. Damn. He is Clark's. I didn't always care about this. The way I should have. In fact, for the first 21 years of my life, this whole thing seemed kind of pointless. Just building a sand castle while the tide rose. Iris changed my mind. I don't think I need to tell you that it wasn't my idea. One day I just got called to Black's office with Apollo and they laid out the plan for me. I didn't want to do it. Didn't get why they couldn't test whatever drugs out on Rhea. They told me they were only offering this to me and Iris privately as a courtesy. They had no problem letting everyone know that Iris was more fertile or whatever than Rhea. That didn't matter to me. Whatever they said was going on inside us just seemed abstract and unreal. But Rhea would have a problem with the news because of the iris of it all. So in a really dumb way to avoid causing more trouble, I told Rhea I wasn't feeling well one night and snuck over to Iris's. When I entered through the kitchen, she was wearing sweatpants and drinking a beer or holding it, at least. It was a prop. She was in costume, for me. It took me way too long to realize that. I wanted to get the whole thing over with right away, but I mean, I phrased it differently. I hope I did. She probably saw right through me anyway. But when we got to her room, I mean, I'd never been up there, but the room and the house were the same, layout as Ray's and mine. But it was so quiet, like no chaperone bustling around somewhere, no record spinning softly, no Lauren Bacall whispering something into Bogart's ear. The soundtrack of Ray's I had become accustomed to was totally absent. I couldn't drink the beer she gave me. I just stood there, picking at the label in the doorway, the wet scraps hitting the carpet. She just sat on the bed, braiding her soft, long, blonde hair, trying to make small talk the way you ask someone how their dinner is as the house burns down. I couldn't figure out how to start. I knew how to cop, and I knew how to have sex, but I didn't know which one this was supposed to be. And Iris, I mean, she'd never with anyone outside the lab but Apollo. At least, I don't think she had. See, even now, I can't stop 
doing that to her. Assuming. I'd for sure only had non-government mandated sex with Rhea. Not that anyone believes that. Pretty sure people think that they can pay to watch. Double it to join. Just because we agreed to that one time. As a joke. I tried to focus on the bright light. Imagine it was the lab. But the lights were more champagne than fluorescent. There were no gray robes to drop, no heart monitors to itch. Her bed looked so much softer than the cot in the observation room we used to call Rosalind Black. <laughs> you know, because it was stiff and cold and generally sucked. I'm sorry, she said. I don't think this is going to work. I nodded, relieved. She rose and crossed the room to where I stood. She reached me, then dropped to her knees. Whoa, whoa, I protested. But a second later, she popped back up, fist full of tiny pieces of the shredded beer bottle label. That was driving me insane. She gave me an almost invisible, self-satisfied smirk before leaving the room. Come on, she called from downstairs. I took a deep breath, downed the beer, and followed her voice to the kitchen. Wanna play a game? She said, pouring a large glass of white wine. I, uh, didn't know you liked games. I don't. But I'm competitive. I forced a laugh. She sighed. Eros, why'd you agree to do this? I thought as fast as I could. Curiosity? You're not acting very curious. And she leaned forward, looked at me over her glass, eyes half-lidded, seeing something I couldn't. You know, since we'd found out about her and Apollo, Rhea had been sure that somehow Iris planned the whole thing. That Apollo was too self-absorbed to be thinking about anyone else. I never bought that. Until that very second. Maybe that whole time I should have been giving Iris a lot more credit. It scared me. It made me feel like she saw me the way she saw him. Just a sleazy liar. I think I should go. What? Why? She said, suddenly confused. I didn't know what to say, so I just shook my head. I don't know how to do this either. And, and I know you'd rather be with her. Yeah, but, but that has nothing to do with you. Competitive, remember? She said, more bored than sad. You love her. I do. What's that feel like? You know, you loved him. I what? Her jaw dropped in the most dignified way possible. It's what he told Hera. She raised an eyebrow. I suddenly felt both warmer and stupider than usual. That's a lie. Duh. Duh is fucking right. Why would you believe him? I couldn't understand why else you would do it. I didn't need much of a motive. It was medium good sex, not a murder, Eros, she said, swallowing back her wine. 
She thought, tapped her finger to her pink lips. I can't believe you all thought that I would feel that way about someone so... And in place of a word, she just waved a hand over her head to communicate Apollo's constantly coiffed hair. I am intelligent and witty and likable. Well, to most. And yet, she gestured to the radiant emptiness around her. I don't think you could ever understand what it's like to want something, someone, but to literally have no one left. It's like aching with nostalgia for something that never existed. She tipped her head back to keep tears from spilling down her cheeks. It's so sad. I mean, it's Apollo. And then she did this thing, half laugh, half sob. She tried to hide it in her glass, but ended up snorting wine into her nose, coughing Chardonnay onto the countertop. There was nothing gorgeous or graceful or iris about it. She was embarrassed. She was beautiful. She started trying to mop up the countertop with a towel, but I stopped her. Here, I said, wiping down the surface with the hem of my t-shirt. Done. Now, I said, pulling a stool up to hers. Tell me some embarrassing stuff about Apollo. <laughs> and we stay like that. A few bottles later, becoming friends for the first time since we were 13. We laughed a ton. She was just showing me her impression of Apollo, <laughs> mispronouncing the name Basquiat when her ID bracelet started to ring. Damn, is this what time you get up every day? No, no, hormone injection time. Oh, right. A pause. A reminder of why we were really there. Why are you doing this? Why does succeeding matter to you so much? It's our whole reason for being here. That sounds like some caveman shit. The biologic pool, the selfishness of a legacy. She cocked an eyebrow. And that sounds like some Rhea shit. To that, I had no answer. To give life, to want to be able to share everything you love about it, about what the human species has accomplished, if my only legacy is sharing the achievement of others, I don't know what's so selfish about that. Her bracelet rung again, and she left the room. I listened to her climb the stairs. Just thought about the general unfairness of everything she had to go through and followed her up. I watched her feel the large needle, wondered what this girl, without friends or someone to love or anyone else here darkening any of her bright doorways, what was it she found so wonderful about life that she'd want to waste hers doing this? Can I help? I asked, because even then I knew she was smarter than I was. And whatever she could see about this world that I couldn't, had to be worth fighting for. She paused, but then nodded, handed the needle to me. 
and turned away. I usually do this. I usually do my thigh, but um, the bruising is getting kind of bad. If you could, if you could do it in my butt. <laughs> I laughed so hard I nearly dropped the syringe. Yes, I will stab you in the butt. Well, A, don't use the phrase stab. <laughs> B, you don't have to. You know, it's, you know, intimate. Iris, I've seen your butt. She shrugged. Turn away. Dropped her pants and underwear as I dropped down to uh, butt level. I took a breath. Suddenly kind of nervous. Eros, I will be fine, she said, looking down at me over her shoulder. Somehow still composed, despite the situation. After the injection, I straightened up. She began to pull her pants up, but stopped. Took a step closer to me. Should we? Only if you want to. I dropped the syringe reached for her delicate fingers. She was probably still breathing wine out of her nose. I did want to. I leaned in to kiss her, but she stopped me. I don't think we should do that. I need to know what we're doing to her isn't like what I did to Hera. I nodded, grateful she had not used Rhea's name. So? Careful to avoid my lips, she pulled me down on top of her. Adam starts crying again in my arms. Nice while it lasted. For the first few weeks, after we found out about Rhea, and I thought the baby might be mine, I felt... useful? Like Iris would have been happy like I was happy. But then we found out he was Clark's and as the months passed, I couldn't get away from my thoughts of what I did to Apollo and even fucking Orsino. But then I started focusing again on her. Iris, my friend, what they did to her how they used her death. Since then, I've been trying to be less destructive, more productive. If I could just feel how I did when I thought I had succeeded. Here, Rhea says, taking him from me. Come on, dude. You're fine. You're fine. We're here, Rhea says. We, huh? Don't get too excited. I'm talking about my boobs, she says. And for just a second, I see her in there, a flit of a smile at her own joke. The old Rhea, who was always funny and irreverent and honestly, wanted to jump my fucking bones. When I wasn't talking to Rhea, that, that didn't make me feel any better. Now at least, you know, trying to get closer to her Making her feel better, I mean, that's a goal. 
that's something good I can do. Then, when she's feeling like herself again, I'm... I mean, who knows? Fuck! She says. I see now that if I take off the shirt to feed him, I'll be, yep, naked. Damn. Fucking baby brain, she whispers. Well, I say, undoing my belt and dropping my jeans. I step out of them, hand them to her. Topless is better than bottom in topless. She pauses before trading me the baby for the pants. She steps into them. They're a little looser than they would have been on her before. She then unceremoniously takes off her shirt. She takes Adam back. Thanks. For sure. I say, cold now in my boxers, but not feeling it. Because Adam is quiet. And she's standing there in my pants. And something about this scene feels like a beginning.